everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Fashion Grunge Podcast. This one is, I don't know, it's going to be a little bit different today. This is my first stab or first take at doing a solo episode. So, you know, I was thinking about it, like, how am I going to do this? What am I going to what am I going to talk about? What's my vibe going to be? There's so many different things that I'm into, like TV shows and things beyond the 90s. So I was like, okay, I got to narrow it down. So I did an Instagram poll. And I think I did one on Patreon too. That was like, do you want me to do favorite music videos of the 90s? Or do you want me to do a deep dive on the Viper Room, like the famous Hollywood club, really kind of popularized in the 90s because it was owned by Johnny Depp. Tons of famous people went through there. We covered it a long time ago on the Patreon. But so anyway, those were the two options. I was like, oh, God, I wonder what people are going to choose. I didn't really know how I was going to research something on the Viper Room. And a lot of people actually did choose that one. But combining Instagram, combining Facebook, combining wherever I could get a poll out, um, it was music videos of the 90s. So I was like, okay, this is good. This is a good intro. I can kind of talk about like why I love music videos so much. and. Yeah, so that's what you've come here to listen to today. I mean, I hope it's not a disappointment. What I did, actually, I decided to pick 10 to start because how can I just, I don't know. I was just thinking, how can I pick 10? I'm not going to rank them. It's just going to be, you know, whatever. So, of course, this is going to be volume one. These all happen to be in the 90s for this section. So I've decided to call this behind the music video, like, you know, behind the music behind the music video volume one, I am going to put this as like a video playlist on YouTube. So it would be cool, I guess, if you could look at them, look at the videos like as I'm talking, but I kind of gathered some basic behind the scenes. And then nothing too crazy. There are some that I picked that have really serious stories and stuff that go along with it. But I was like, no, no, I can't just tell you all about everything. But I try to give you like a good a good summary. And then I just have notes on the actual video itself. So those you could probably play the video and then listen to me talk about like some of the aspects I like, some of the fashion, like stuff like that, because there's some pretty cool fashion in a lot of these. So yeah, I mean, this is gonna be cool. I hope this kind of ends up working out as something that I could maybe do more because I don't know, there's so many different things I kind of just love to talk anyway about what I'm really into. So yeah, I mean, if you like this episode, let me know if you have suggestions on other ones I could do more in depth. Like, I, I mean, not to plug the Patreon, but if you're here, go check out the Patreon. We have tons of like random things. I have like deep dives on Smashing Pumpkins over there and some other stuff that's like more gossipy. And more like, yeah, just kind of like more gossipy and chit chat. So we're still going to have movies over there. Interviews are going to be public now because I'm going to do a bit more of those. So yeah, it should be it should be super fun. But I really wanted to start with my history with music videos. So I'm an 80s baby. So I kind of came of age in like the mid 90s, I want to say. So I was, of course, this show is called the Fashion Grunge Podcast. But I was a little bit too young, as a lot of people know, to actually experience grunge in the way that you know, I guess I've seen on TV and the ga- the way that I wanted wanted to. So I was just a little bit older. I do remember when Kurt Cobain died. I remember being in sixth grade and and I remember this girl like running in and telling us that he died and we were like, what? Oh my God, this is so nuts. We did have two girls who were like really, really into Courtney. I mean, we were like 11, 12 years old and she used to like dress like whole and she was like really into it. So I remember I, I knew about the the music video, like Smells Like Teen Spirit. I mean, I knew about the band. I'd had the CD and stuff like that, but 
I didn't really get to experience it as in, you know, being in my like late teens or even mid teens. I was just a little bit too young. So my history with music videos is interesting. I remember when I was younger, like growing up, I didn't have cable. But when I would go to my dad's house, he had cable or my grandparents. So I would go into the basement and sometimes like use a VHS and like tape when MTV would have these all day marathons of like top 100 music videos of the 80s and then like top 100 of the 90s. And they would have like you know, all day from like 10 o'clock until seven on like a Saturday. They would have all these music videos on. I would tape them. They had commercials and stuff, but I was able to go back home to my mom's during the week and then just like watch music videos. So that's how I saw a lot of them. They had this thing called the box. I think it was like, I don't know if it was local. If any of you guys know what the box is, it was this, you would see clips of music videos and then almost like a, like those CD commercials for like now music or whatever, they would show the, the number and then they would show the band and the video and like that you call in this 1-800 number, you pay whatever and you request the video so you could see it like that. I remember seeing like TLC on that, like SWV. I would see those videos. It was way more like hip hop or R&B. I don't know if they had rock on there, but I just remember. So if anyone knows about the box, that was a big one. But basically like VH1 had countdowns. VH1 was like the older sister to MTV. So they had like, eventually they started to have like Sheryl Crow and like Lilith Fair type stuff, but it kind of skewed more like older and then we still had like hair metal bands were on sometime. We still had Guns N' Roses. We still had Nirvana videos. We still had like No Doubt. We had like that new alternative Smashing Pumpkins that was like starting to come in when I was really watching MTV. Then when I was in high school, I think I must have been like, I don't know, maybe 17 is when TRL started. And TRL, I mean, if you know, you know, TRL is kind of legendary so <laughs> that was like kind of insane um so yeah moving you know throughout that it's on tv you could tape it but this is still pre-youtube so there's nowhere to actually see these videos more than making a tape watching it at home or whatever so that's basically what i would do for a little while but then after that dvds became big like when i was in college is when dvds were kind of first introduced and then I bought this like DVD box set that was the director series. It was like the director's label. If you look out now on Amazon or something, they're like $200 to get this whole set. But it's like four DVDs of all these different directors. There's like Spike Jones, Stefan Sidnawi, um, who else? Like Michelle Gondry, who did like those White Stripes videos. So those are really cool. Chris Cunningham. Um, so those are really cool. You could get those. I had one set of them. I have no idea. I'm pretty sure I probably sold them because I had. I used to have so many DVDs, like way more. So that was another way that I could actually watch the videos. Like I could just put it on, put on the DVD and just watch the videos. I had no other way to do it. Another way you could buy them, which I did was iTunes when iTunes first came out and it was like, oh, you could buy the song for 99 cents. You also eventually could buy music videos that would go on your iPod or like your iPod touch or whatever. So you could take videos on the go. This sounds insane. But of course, it also is, I'm hoping to bring you back to that era too. So you could only download MP3s. You couldn't really download videos at this point, not yet. So this is like, I don't know, we're still in like the early 2000s, I guess. But yeah, so you couldn't really do that. But that's kind of like how you get music videos. Eventually, I bought like the Smashing Pumpkins had a DVD that had like all their early music videos. I bought that. They also used to have these CD-ROMs that would come with CDs that had like promo or bonus video content. I remember uh, Razorblade Suitcase, the second Bush album, 
when you bought it from Best Buy, you got this like DVD that would come and I it like in it and you put it in your computer and it's a CD-ROM. This isn't like a DVD. It's like you put it in your computer and I had a little menu and then I had like a uh, Bush performing Swallowed, which was like their, uh, or Swallow or whatever, was like the single from that album. And then you would see like, there was another live clip of a live show with them playing the song Alien, which off 16 Stone, which like really, really got me into that song. So this is all like pre-YouTube. So this was all kind of like a new world to be able to see this on your own personally in your house that was kind of on demand. So that was really cool. I also bought the Robbie Williams Ego is Landed. He had like a really cool thing, like a DVD that would accompany his albums. And he had these really cool like vacation videos of him coming up with these songs with his songwriter. That was cool, which apparently Robbie Williams has a Netflix documentary, which I really want to see. I haven't seen it yet, but if you've seen it, let me know. So yeah, I mean, these were kind of the ways that I consumed, I don't know, like bonus video content, which is always kind of what it was before other things more than music videos. Uh, My Chemical Romance, I have their their double, like Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. The other one is a tour, uh, which is really cool. So there were a lot of, this was like a big deal when you kind of needed to have videos. But, but back in but back in the 90s, at least for me, when I was like 13, 14 or whatever, and like starting to kind of be like, oh, this is cool. Like music is cool. I would have loved to have been a music video director. Like that's the one job that I think I would have loved to have if I could go back in time and just be older in the 90s. And you asked me like, what's one job that kind of doesn't exist now that they had? I mean, it does exist now, but it's just on a different scale. When you had like major labels, I mean, granted, the band does pay for this, as I've learned now in these in these, uh, you know, documentaries and like bands speaking out now back in the day, I didn't know that. I just thought, well, this is so cool. They all have music videos. But this was how your video got on MTV. Like it was a promotional marketing idea. And it was also how the song would get played on the radio. Like People would see the video and they would want to request it on the radio. So it all made sense to sell albums. And this is like selling albums back in the day of albums and not just singles. So this was like, they were really generating a lot of money and they were definitely going to get it back depending on how big their their videos were. So so yeah. So basically, they they had these videos that would, would come out and then the director, when you would see it on MTV, the director was listed at the bottom of the credit, which they don't do anymore, which I find really insane because I was like, God, it's supposed to be so cool to be a music video director and like come up with these amazing concepts. I started to recognize a lot of them. Like, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris. who did a lot of the, a lot of the videos from, uh, the smashing pumpkins, melancholy era. So like, I would see a lot of them. They also like, no doubt would have a lot of the same people. Um, I think it's Sophie Mueller who did a lot of the, the tragic kingdoms besides just a girl. But but yeah, so so you would kind of see that, and also you had celebrities, celebrity directors like Martin Scorsese directed Michael Jackson's Bad video, which I don't know if a lot of people know that. So you would actually get these like cinematic. John Landis directed the Michael Jackson Thriller video, which is like a short film. So you would have these some videos that were just the very kind of basic with just the band performing, and then you would have other ones that had a story, had a concept, and that was like a short film. So I kind of tried to pick a lot of videos that were. A variation but this isn't mean i could not rank them do not tell me to rank them do not ask me to rank them because i can't um these are just some of my favorite videos itself so um yeah i've got 10 here 
and I've gotten a few little notes, but nothing crazy. So, all right, if you want to like start press play on your video playlist that I will link in the notes here, you can, but otherwise it's totally fine. So the first video that I have up is No Doubt Just a Girl, which is actually fitting because apparently No Doubt is reuniting at Coachella this year. So that should be interesting. I have seen No Doubt on the Tragic Kingdom tour. It was amazing. And I mean, I don't want to say that I've like lost my love for Gwen Stefani, but she just isn't who I grew up with anymore, which makes sense. I mean, this is like 30 years ago, so it totally makes sense. Um, So yeah, so this video uh, was released November. Actually, technically, no, it's not released because I couldn't figure out when the video was released. And I'm sorry, it's not November. It's September. I don't know why I said that. Uh, September 21st, 1995. Tragic Kingdom came out that same year. This video is directed by Mark Core. Cinematography is by Adam Beckman. And our set decorator and art department is Lisa Robin Deutsch. So that's kind of like the background I found on this, this album or this video. Um, so we kind of open up with SoCal and this has probably influenced me to want to live in Southern California when I was like 13 or 14, because out of everyone in the whole world, like we're just talking like basic, you know, we're just talking like basic run in the mill. Like I want to be this person when I grew up, it wasn't Courtney Love as much as people think it, no, not that you would think it would be because I'm a massive Nirvana fan, but no doubt was like the girl I wanted to be like, I wanted to be fronting a band, be the only girl. She dressed amazing. She had this really cool, like tomboy spirit, but then she also had like the crop tanks and like the rhinestones. She had the cool, like red lipstick, the blonde hair, the like kind of turned up pinup hair. That's like really kind of was big in like orange County at the time. So she just really represented this really cool style that was unlike any I'd ever seen before. She had like the bondage pants in the spider webs video. She has like the bang with the really cool, like plaid pants. Um, She had like the bedazzled bra strap. Like Gwen, Gwen was it. I mean, Gwen still kind of sort of is it like that person is still there. She ended up going solo. Her videos for that are so cool. Like she's such a great, muse i think of the 90s and 2000s when it comes to fashion and like visuals like she just the way their band looks together if you go through old no doubt 90s band photos they're all so fucking cool they're all like pop of color very pop art like david lachapelle shot them they're just like they look like cartoon characters but in this modern really cool way i don't know i can't describe it i love no doubt i think they're dope I'm excited for them to come back. They're always welcome in in my earphones, no matter what. But so this one kind of starts out with you get that really cool, you know, SoCal like driveway, old classic car, and she's like leaning against it. And she has this amazing, like, kind of a surplus jacket with a fur collar. And then you get all these kind of flashes of her in the backseat of the car with this shirt that says Anaheim. So that's what I knew where Anaheim was in SoCal. I was like, Anaheim, Orange County, so cool. She has that rockabilly style. All the guys have those like bowling shirts that are different colors. And we kind of open up to Gwen is in the girl's bathroom and she's singing and she's singing to the camera. And then you see the guys, the rest of the banner in the guy's bathroom and it's all grungy and dirty. Hers is really cool, like candy colored, very like art deco with flowers and everything. So then she's, why is she singing this song? She's trapped She's talking about being trapped. So she's trapped in like this nice, pretty box, you know, like it's really, really nice. And it's like cutesy and girly. She has amazing makeup in this. 
I mean, everything's cool. Her fucking tank top is really cool. It matches the like kind of Dickies pants that she has on that have like piping. And she has these black and white shoes, like spectator shoes. She has a really cool microphone with a, it looks like a rope, like a green rope, almost like a climbing rope, which I thought was really dope. She just, I mean, you know, you know, you've seen this video a hundred times. If you haven't, then welcome to the party. This is why we're still talking about the 90s because they make such cool shit like this. So we get like back and forth of them playing back, you know, playing to each other, but then not. Tony, the bassist who she used to date, which is the subject of the song, like basically this album, he like comes over into the skylight and they kind of mix the two. And then they're all, you see all these girls are in one room, like, dancing and doing their makeup and stuff to, for the guys and all these different kinds of girls and then you see the guys in the other room and then they all kind of join in and it becomes this like all of them joining in together they're all moshing and then they're all playing together and it's like this really really cool cool moment but we have a lot of just visuals in this that are really cool i feel like every step and every still is so filled with color either pops of color you have really cool angles i know i'm saying cool a lot i'm sorry <laughs> i will get better at this but you have really interesting angles the way that they shot this too you have kind of from the floor angle you have a really intricate uh ceiling it looks kind of like a curve so i didn't like find too much information like i don't know if this was a set i don't i mean i'm sure it was but i don't know like how they built it because yeah obviously it's like there's the one side that we can't see but i don't know how they built it or anything like that but it looks pretty involved and this might actually be a real room i actually do not know but it just i love all the clothes too that the kids are wearing and like the fans are wearing if you want to know real fashion in the 90s like mid 90s check out all the people in the background because that one is basically what all the all of us were wearing at the time so so yeah i mean this also was i found out too on imdb they actually rate the music videos so this is not my rating this would be the imdb rating and this one is a 6.8 out of 10 which i find incredibly low because this is definitely like a nine because this was their real big breakout song so i definitely think that would be a nine i'm kind of shocked that it's a one but anyway we move on the next one i chose is gonna be a favorite of a few friends of mine i think but i don't know maybe they'll be shocked that i picked this one i picked just by radiohead which is off of the ben's album this song was released august 21st of 1995 imdb gives this a 7.9 out of 10 so this is a higher a higher rating i i think i'm i think i might know why i mean radiohead if you know anything about them incredible visuals incredible music videos and just they just have their complete identity as a band so fluid, but yet so cohesive at the same time, if that makes sense. Like even in their albums and their eras, or for lack of a better word, like eras or versions of the bands, they really adapt and every kind of visual style kind of goes with that album. So this is like the Ben's album, High and Dry is on this album, uh, Fake Plastic Trees, uh, I mean, a few others, another other really great videos too. But I decided to pick this one because oddly enough, I saw this first. I just saw the clip of this video and I saw it when I was watching one of the MTV VMAs. I think it was like, this was 95, but I think it was the 96 one because I remember that one. And this was nominated for like, oof, I should have looked this up, probably like best breakthrough or like best rock video or something like that. I don't think it was like, 
best foreign because they don't do that because technically they're from England. But it was somewhere, and I saw this clip of this man lying down on the on the pavement, and someone someone you know coming over to him to help him, and they're like, "Hey, what's going on?" And he's like, "Don't touch me." It's on subtitle. Don't touch me, and that's all they showed. And then it goes like, you know, Radiohead just, and then it shows that. And I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." Now, see, back in the day, I never saw that complete video probably until YouTube existed because. I just didn't see it again. I just saw that one clip. And as I remember telling you, or not remember, as I told you, there was no way for me to like queue up this video. So if I didn't see it, I didn't see it. That was it. And it was never on on, like the top 10 countdowns or like, it just was like kind of a, I don't want to say like a B side, but I I don't think it was a song here anyway. That was as big. I'm not sure about other countries, but it it wasn't as big. So this one I actually found a little bit of information about. I, I scoured the, uh, the Radiohead Reddit Reddit thread and looked, and I had no idea that it had such a kind of cult following of the video itself, which is really interesting. But this was directed by Jamie Thraves. Cinematography is Alexander Melman. And there is actually on Reddit, if you look, I guess I could link it. I mean, maybe I'll link it on the fashiongrunge.com website post because it's really in-depth. It doesn't really need to be on the, the notes. But if you do want to go to Reddit, somebody posted a full a cell phone video, mind you, of a full cinematic view of the video. There are three different versions of this video, different endings, different shots of the band, and etc. So if you're really into that Radiohead life, uh, go ahead and check that out. I did. I looked at it for a second, but I didn't really watch it because I was like, I'm going to talk about the one that's like, you know, actually released that's on YouTube. But this was shot in Liverpool. And basically, this is one of those those music videos that has so much chatter online because people are thinking about what's actually said at the very end. So I'm going to take you through this video. This is when it starts. This is like a short film. It reminds me of like a French new wave or like a noir story. And we see this man walking these empty streets. You see like one car. This is in Liverpool. It's kind of desaturated. So you see him walking these streets and all of a sudden this you see the band is actually playing in a building above them so they can look down on the street and see where this guy is but he is walking the empty streets and then he just lays down and then people see him in the street and they start to you know look at him and and one guy trips over him and he's like oh uh sorry i didn't see you there this is all you just see their mouth moving and then this is all with titles on the screen so you're just kind of reading their lips but also kind of reading what it says so this guy trips and then he's like you know Uh, hey, can you help me? Or like, he asked the guy, does he need help? He tries to get him up and he won't get up. So then all these people like crowd around him and they think that he's like gone mad and that he's just like, you know, gone off somehow. And this policeman comes up and he's like, what's going on? Like, why won't you move? And he's like, I can't tell you. And he's being really cryptic. Like why I can't tell you. He's like, just let me know. Let's just take my word for it that I cannot tell you why I'm here. And all of a sudden this crowd is around. They're like, go, come on, tell me, like, you have to tell us what the fuck, this is crazy, this is crazy. He's like, you don't know what you're asking of me if you ask me. And this guy's like, tell us. And then you see him look up at the crowd and then his mouth is moving and you see him saying something. The band is now at the window looking down at this man. You see his mouth moving, but you don't know what he says. And then the next shot is the band looking down on the street and now everyone is lying in the street, just like this man. So there's like a real ambiguity to this video. So I think that why it's why that's probably why it sparks so much, you know, 
uh, chatter, like all these years later, it's very cool. It reminds me of like a, like a twilight zone or like a black mirror, you know, or something like that. Something that you just don't really understand and you're not really supposed to. So no, I like that one. Check that one out. The next one on my list is from his band called the flies, which I think a lot of people probably only know that one song that they had got you or I want you and you're in luck because that's what I'm doing. Cause I love this video. Uh, it was released July 4th, 1998. Um, it's on their album holiday man, which is a great album one of those like one this is one of those late 90s bands that i was really into alternative rock at this moment like this was the time when i was like buying you know like soundtracks to video like this was in disturbing behavior like one of my favorite films at the time so i was if i liked that song that was in that movie i bought the soundtrack but then i also bought the album that this was on so i bought holiday man and i really liked it it's it's a it's a great one you'll hear me kind of wax poetic about another like quote unquote one hit wonder album later because I have one of their videos on here. But yeah, it was just so good. It was just so, so, so good. So this IMDb gives a 6.5 out of 10. I have to say I'm not too inclined to forgive them on that because I feel like this video is not all that special. So it's directed by Wayne Isham. Uh, I have one quote here that I found on IMDb and it says, now they're talking about James Marsden, who is opposite Katie Holmes in disturbing behavior. <laughs> the quote is, we met Katie and James and they said they were doing this teenage whacked film. And we were like, oh, that's kind of wild. We have this song and it's called Got You Where I Want You. See if you like it. And they did, which was cool. My deal was if we're going to do your movie, then you come do our video. Although we didn't really want James in our, in our videos. This is what the director said. So it's kind of funny because throughout this video, the the movie, if you haven't seen it, it's like one of the early episodes on the podcast uh, that we covered. We probably have to re- revisit it because it's one of my favorites and we had no real like structure back then, but uh, it was like COVID times, I think. But and anyway, this one's basically the band playing on this cliff, you know, in like Southern California somewhere or like probably Central. And they're just playing off this cliff. And then you see these like little shots of Katie Holmes, like walking up with like these bootcut jeans and like really, really like smoky eye makeup and like a tank top and very not Dawson's Creek because she was still Joey Potter at this point, 98. Like this was peak Joey Potter. This is why this movie I think was so cool because we had all seen her as Joey for so much, for so long, you know, on TV and when we'd seen her every week. So it was cool to have this different, different uh, movie. So interspliced in this video of them singing, got you where I want you, we have scenes from disturbing behavior. So then you see some of the kit, but she's like walking in between the, the guys, like between the band. And then all of a sudden you see her like stop at the end of the cliff and then just like push these two jocks off. And then they just fall, they just like fall backwards. And then eventually you start seeing like more kids just like come up. And if you've seen the movie, then you'll kind of know what it's implying. If you haven't seen the movie, my God, please see it. It's so fucking good. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's so great. I would love for them to do a movie. They would do like a rom-com together, like Katie Holmes and James Marsden. I think it'd be really cool. So then you just see all these kids running off the cliff. They're coming up and they're just running off the cliff. And then they just seem like lemmings. And then I think towards like minute, like 2.45, and the whole thing is like four minutes, you see this glimpse of, (laughs) <laughs> like a really like fuzzy because it's not really great quality that's on youtube because it's really old we see like this like faint fuzzy james marsden i was like is that james marsden i was like oh that's funny that they said they didn't want him in the video but he's like in there so they see he's like behind her and he's running but then we kind of like don't get any interaction with the two of them based on what the 
the movie was. I think that was kind of like interesting, but I did love that this was all kind of a promotion for the movie. She kind of interacts with the lead singer as most like video girls do not like to the accession that like, you know, the excessiveness of like eighties, like, you know, rock videos, nothing like that, but it was just funny. It was just, it's a really great song I think too. So it's a really good way to like promote the movie and yeah, we just kind of get, more of like movie splicing. And I love when they did those soundtrack music videos. Those were always the best. Cause as we all know, which I'm sure I'll do a video on at some point, I love a soundtrack. I love a music, music video soundtrack. They're like my favorite. So yeah, uh, that's, I guess that's about it for that one. I mean, yeah, there wasn't that much information about it. And I'm surprised I even found that quote to be, to be fair. Uh, cool. So number four, we've got, I mean, this sounds kind of funny given the fact that I'm like a grunge fan, but I think this is what the nineties has kind of conditioned me to be kind of like, Oh, you know, like you can't like the band that your band doesn't like, you know, it's like, you have to kind of like, you got to go with, with the flow. You kind of like go with, with who you like and who they don't like. I don't like, but this is not the case because number four, and this is why I could never rank these because it's impossible is November rain from Guns N' Roses. I mean, let's let's say what it is. This is an incredible short film that I had no idea until I was researching this that it's kind of in an unofficial trilogy of Don't Cry, November Rain and A Strange. There are all these like really cool short films, but for this purpose, I will only talk about November Rain because I just it's just such an iconic video. So this is uh from February of 1992 on Use Your Illusion. Now Use your illusion one. IMDb gets a 7.9 out of 10. I mean, this should have like a nine. This is as bloated as it is, as kind of insane as it is. But this is Axel like full out. Like this is like, this to me reads like, fuck you. I want a piano. And not only do I want a piano, I want a piano in a concert hall. I want a full orchestra. I want like, drag i want like this fucking crazy ass wedding and i love it i'm obsessed with it i want this crazy ass wedding i want a dream sequence i want multiple costume changes i want everyone to kind of look annoyed with me but like fuck it i'm taking over on these keys i'm gonna be like i'm leading the show this is why axel is one of my favorite frontmen. just in demeanor and energy i just and this is 90s now it's very different but i just kind of loved that Guns N' Roses was another one of those like Nirvana type bands that really burned bright and had this really, really bright, hot trajectory for just a few years. And then it just, theirs was a little different. Theirs was like, obviously the band uh, politics and like interpersonal, not fighting, but interpersonal like struggles versus drugs versus uh, also the music industry was just going into a different way than when they came in on like the tail end of the eighties. So they just had like kind of a different go of it, but in any case, I still love them and still love what they did for like the music video craft. So this one's directed by Andy Morahan, cinematography by Daniel Pearl and Mike Southern. This is one of the most expensive videos at the time at $1.5 million budget. So God bless you. God bless you, Axel, for getting all that money out of out of this label, I'm sure. Uh, this star Stephanie Seymour, who's Axel's then girlfriend, he previously the year before was married to Aaron Everly which is really kind of weird that that's his, you know, now girlfriend, he's marrying her in the video, whatever, and she dies. But so I told you about this as an unofficial trilogy. 
This I thought was really significant to put on the list just because this for me really symbolizes like a swan song and like a requiem for like the glam rock big budget music video because right before this not really like right before this but you I probably guessed it that Smells Like Teen Spirit is on the list it's actually coming up uh, at the very end but that was released September 10th, 1991. Now, anyone who's seen that video, you know, it's like the cheapest video to produce. And and it didn't even matter because that was just played everywhere because that was closer to reality. Now, this Guns N' Roses November Rain video, while beautiful it is, the costumes, everything, it's such a fantasy. It's such a world that not everyone exists in and not even everybody wants. So I feel like this was his time to be like, you know what? We're still Guns N' Roses. I still got Slash. We still have Duff. I don't think we have, uh, what's his name? Steven Adler on drums. I think they'd replaced him, but we still have like some of the founding members. I don't know about Izzy either, but we still have like some of the founding members. So we're like here to kind of like show this out. No, we don't have Izzy. Um, I'm just like looking at the video as as I'm talking, but yeah. So I feel like this was when this was like in February and then, you know, Nirvana came out September of 91, that video. So that really changed the shift in culture and like the things that Nirvana did not do was like kind of everything Guns N' Roses did. Like, and there are somewhat rivals at some point. I think Axel and, and Kurt had words behind, behind the scenes of like a, a VMA at some point, which I'll investigate. Cause you know, I'm probably going to do more of these. Like there's some really funny rock feuds that I really like that they would be on it. The Kurt Cobain Axel would be on it. Um, but anyway, we get this amazing, uh, you know, just <laughs> short film, basically we get these short films. So, it starts out with Axel in this dream and he's in this dream and he's playing piano and then like the backgrounds are changing behind him. And this is 92. So this is money. Like this is big money to do all that. So he has this like full performance in this orchestra and he's on the keys and he has this red blazer and he's like kind of John Lennon glasses and a red bandana. It's just, Axel has one of my favorite concert fits of all time. Like any concert you see Axel in from like when they started with like 87 to like 93, it's fire. And I don't, no one can compete with him. I think on that, that scale, like I love when he wears those like really short shorts and the blazer and like the high top converse, not even all stars, like cons, like those ones that are just say cons on the back, like basketball shoes. They're so cool. Anyway, I could go on. I mean, he has like the netted thing. He's got the like leather hat. He's got that furry jacket that he was wearing when he dove into that concert when that guy had a camera and the security people didn't take it from him like it's a whole thing anyway so he's in this performance hall and then we intersplice in this backstory of axel and his girlfriend getting married and they're at the altar and that's when she has this really cool wedding dress that's short in the front she has black stockings on and then she has her garter on he has this amazing like brocade long three-fourths jacket probably longer than that black with like gold brocade his hair he's got the bang the wispy bang he has the like puffy kind of shirt with the lace collar like he looks awesome it's a rock star wedding so we get a flashback of how they met and we see the rainbow grill the famous joint in well i think it's it's on sunset boulevard i don't know if it's still around because i haven't been to la in a long time but I don't know if it's still around, but that's where a lot of bands met. There are a lot of stories about Motley Crue and the Rainbow Grill. So we see them like all the band, like they're all the girlfriends, whatever. They're like talking, hanging out. So then we get like this funny moment where I just wrote Slash and the crew look so hot. They look so hot in this in this restaurant. But so they you see they're wearing like 
uh, Axel, no Axel, Slash is wearing this top, the top hat he always wears with like the belt around it. And he has his like loose kind of like jacket with the open shirt, his curly hair is everywhere. And he gives him the ring. At first he lost it. He gives him the ring. So right before he does the vows, he walks out. Cause I guess I remember seeing this a long time ago. And like one of my friends, uh, brothers was like, Oh, that's like a guy thing. Like you don't want to watch your, your man, like your best friend get, get married. So you like walk out. I was like, Oh, that's really weird. But okay. I guess he's like a bachelor and he's like, all right, you know, like see ya. And he like walks out like before they walk out, which is kind of funny. Um, so then we get slashes amazing. Uh, we get his, also his performance outfit in the performance hall is great. He has a blue flannel. He has the top hat. He has this kind of layers on Like he looks really cool. I mean, slash, I mean, honestly, what can he not do? He does his solo, the really famous solo bit where he's outside the church and he has that leather jacket, like tight jeans and like black chaps and like a crucifix shirt. Like, I mean, and the chains, I mean, Axel, I mean, not Axel slash is just like, yeah. And everything. He's just, he just has that style even now. I I love slash. I think he's so cool. So then we get to the reception and Axel is on like this blue foil jacket. Like God bless I I do really like that about guys now is that they're back to we're back to risk taking fashion. This was I do really love grunge and like the kind of style that comes with it, like just the whatever, because that's basically me. But I do kind of miss when it was like high whore drag, you know, it was like like poison and like Motley Crue where they just wore like crazy shit and they owned it and they looked really great in it. And they kind of like didn't really care what you thought of it. I kind of like that things are going that way now. Like I think all these artists now are just way more open and and way more up to just wearing whatever they want. And they're not worried about like looking crazy or looking silly. So I I do applaud Axel for, for doing this in the nineties because it was just so over the top. Like he has that blue kind of foil jacket at the reception with the like kind of bell sleeves. It looks like the pirate shirt from Seinfeld. If anyone knows that that's what it looks like. So then he like, I think he has jeans on too. So the reception's so cool. They're all cheersing. And then it starts to rain. And then I do like the song too. The song kind of goes through these moods and phases. And we get this like really great string performance as like the rain comes and we get this kind of like solemn piano. And then we just get like, immediately we see her in a coffin. Now I did not know exactly what happened to her. I was reading online that we're supposed to kind of, with the story from the other music videos and how they fit into this trilogy, we're supposed to assume that she's committed suicide. I didn't really know. I just, you just see her in a coffin. They don't really explain it. So they see, you see her in a coffin and then we, the, you see him in the church and everyone's at the funeral and they're carrying her out. And we just, and the song turns into this like requiem of this, of the relationship, like the end of this relationship. But then it also, for me, really symbolizes like the end of this era and the end of this band. Like this band was really going through fractures at this point. I think we covered this in the behind the music of Guns N' Roses because uh, I think we did it on Patreon, but there, there was so much to like, just what do you call it? Like just like storms and brewing in this band, like personally, like getting along, they just really weren't. So I think this really is a good kind of send off. They didn't break up immediately after this, but it wasn't that far after it was like 93 or something. And they were like recording things in different places. I mean, it it was at that point. So I think they were like kind of done, but we see that 
as she's like in the coffin and he's at the grave and then you see him over the coffin and he's just like, you know, staring up, we see him like wake up in a sweat from the stream. And then we go back and we see him at the grave and then the roses that are thrown onto her coffin, like drain the, the red drains from the roses on the top. And then that's how it ends. So that's, that was like the end of this like nine minute saga, which is, I mean, it is, it is pretty great. I think this is another thing that we've lost with videos just because, I mean, now we do have YouTube, so people can make videos. There are artists that still make videos because they have that longevity. The one I can think of is Bjork. Like she, every time she makes a video, she has such dying fans. And also I feel like for her, it's just, it goes with the song. It helps you visualize her music so much more to see the visual of what she has behind it. So there are still artists now that really do still live with the video, but it's, it's not like it was. I mean, it just isn't. So it's cool to kind of look back. All right. So we're halfway through. I mean, how are we feeling? Are we, should I insert an ad in here to be like, go sign up for the Patreon and go leave us five stars. and tell, Don't be too mean about my first uh, solo episode, but, but no, we press on. We're half, we're almost halfway there. Number five is the Smashing Pumpkins. You know, I had to have the Smashing Pumpkins on here. I mean, what are we, what are we talking about? Of course, um, this video, and this was hard. I wonder, like, I really wonder, like, what I was gonna do. I was gonna do something from the Gish era. Smashing Pumpkins is like number two after Nirvana. Like, they're my shit. I will probably defend Billy Corgan till the wheels come off. Like, really. Um, but I feel like it's it was really hard for me to pick a video. But I said, no, it's got to be Melancholy, and it's got to be 1979. This song was released January 23rd of 1996, and this is on the spectacular double album, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. IMDb gives us a 7.7 out of 10. I find that incredibly low and disappointing, but here we are. <laughs> that is, that's the story. This is directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris. They also cleaned up that year at the 96 VMAs. I have so many direct memories of the 1996 VMAs like it really did something to me to watch to watch and tape that being 13 and being able to just re-watch it over and over again on tape so I think that's why a lot of these videos are on here they're either things from a tape and things that I remember these weren't things that I picked like now like these were things that I remember seeing they were kind of burned into my brain like 30 years ago which is scary 30 no 25 years ago I guess so they previously directed the video for Rocket. And actually, one of the members of the Pumpkins asked Spike Jones, but his treatment was going to cost a million dollars for this video, so they couldn't do it. Spike Jones is another one who did really, really cool music videos in the 90s. Uh, if anyone likes Vice and you like the show Epically Later, where they usually profile skateboarders, one of my favorite episodes is on Jason Dill, because I think he's so cool. They also did Spike Jones, who has is actually in the skateboarding world. I mean, a lot of people may not know that, but he is. So they did something like it must have been like a half hour show or something. I don't know. It's it's one of those things. But Patrick O'Dell hosts it. It might be on YouTube. If it is, I'll link it. I'll have to make a note to to link that. But anyway, he talks about doing music videos, how he got started, and he did like the Dinosaur Junior music videos and stuff, like early ones. So he has really, really cool style. He also did like the Fatboy Slim um, Weapon of Choice, the one with Christopher Walken. He was on that director's collection that I was telling you about earlier. Like he has a 
a DVD on there where it has like all of his, his videos. He also did the It's Oh So Quiet video from Bjork uh, from the Post album that was also nominated at the 96 VMAs. So I remember her being there and like Spike Jones was there. So he's like pretty prolific when it comes to music videos on top of like, you know, movie directing and stuff like that. So instead of Spike Jones doing this one, this one, we ha- also have Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris. So Billy Corgan came up with this whole concept and he wanted to mirror his own life growing up outside Chicago suburbs. He actually wanted the scene of violence, but the directors were like, no, we need something tamer because we need this to get played <laughs> on like the air. You know, we can't have this like, like Tarantino film, you know, like, but that's initially what he wanted. So each member of the band has a part in the video. They also, this was actually so insane. They filmed a group shot performance, right? Like all this kind of stuff. And apparently, I think this was filmed in like New York City or something. The tapes of this this performance were left on the roof of a car and like slid off and just were lost. Like that's it, which is so insane. Um, so this is actually kind of nodded to at the end where um, there's like a nod to the loss of the original footage in the next video, which is kind of a unofficial sequel, which is perfect from the video from the album Adore, the Adore album from 98. Uh, so it's kind of funny that this actually won best alternative video at the 96 MTV VMAs. Billy Corgan has since called this his favorite video and is the closest of anything he's ever wanted. So I don't know at what time he said that, but that's what he said. This is actually Smashing Pumpkins' highest chart single, or highest charting single. It was number hit number 12, the Billboard Hot 100. So that's pretty big. Because most of these rock songs, except for like Nirvana, like albums and stuff like that, like a lot of them hit the modern rock charts, but they don't hit like the 100, like the top 100. So this video is one of my favorites of all time. Like the co- the kids spinning in the tire, the colors with like the fisheye lens and we just see like the guitar that that guitar that you know of 1979 that like sounds like a sliding guitar. I don't I'm not a musician, I don't know. But it just sounds so great and then we just get this like calming like I just love this song, the way this tempo, this whole energy of this song and we get kind of like this, we get brought into this world and we get these really cool shots of like fisheye in the car. We see all the kids, we see them driving down these like suburban streets. And then we see Billy Corgan in like a black uh, turtleneck in the back seat singing these words. So he kind of looks like he's reminiscing, like he was in this car at one time as a kid, but then he also is separate from them. Cause when you see him in the back, he doesn't have anyone around him and the camera's just on him. This is when he shaved his head too. This was like that Billy Corgan era when he cut his hair from the, the Siamese dream, like Gish era. So we also like kind of follow these kids throughout their escapades of just killing time as a teenager. Like, they're at the age where you're like before you can do anything. Like you're not 18. They look like they're like maybe like they look like a little bit younger than 16. Like they could be like 15, but they're really just kind of fucking around and finding shit to do. So that night we see them go to a house party. We get the sun kind of setting. They go to one of the like classic house parties, which I'm sure they exist in non cities because obviously people do go out of town and people have parties. But I feel like even if you just watch this, you can feel that energy of the house parties in the 90s where, like everyone just had cups no one I mean, it sounds 
I found sound really crazy saying this, but no one has a phone and everyone is just interacting and the band is playing inside the living room and they're just playing and everyone's moshing. So the the main kids that we start with, there's like four or five of them, they end up going out and they go to a house across the street or like next door or whatever. And they climb over and they see the pool and they start like diving into the pool and like throwing furniture in and then just being like really crazy. And we get these really intricate angles of almost, I call it the rec room, uh, rec room for a dream camera where the camera is like mounted on you when you see those shots in that film and the camera's mounted on you and it kind of moves when you move at this weird angle. We see that with this kid head banging in the party. And then we get this angle of like the toilet paper, like the camera must be attached to the toilet. I don't know how they do this as it's ro- unrolling and going through the, the tree for them to like TP this house. So we get all this like really, really cool imagery. We see a TP house, Billy Corgan still singing in the back. And then we see just, just, just like what you get as a kid. Like, this is why I love the movie Nowhere, the Gregor Rocky Nowhere, just because it really more than my friend uh, was really <laughs> funny about it the other day. He was like, really, out of all the Iraqi films, like Nowhere is your number one. I was like, I think Nowhere is my favorite movie. I think I may have come to that realization. I just bought the remastered version on uh, digital on iTunes because it's not. I don't know when the DVD is coming out, but I saw the remastered one is uh, here's your, your advice to go out and buy the Iraqi nowhere. But he was like, wow, over doom generation. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I didn't really like identify as much with like committing a crime and picking up a drifter with my boyfriend and like kind of having a threesome with him on the road. Like that was a little less uh, my life than nowhere, which was like a series of like house parties and like weird incidents and just kind of like, like ancillary characters like in my life like that's more of my vibe but it was not doom generation although i wish i could have been rose mcgowan with jonathan sheck and james duvall but that was not my reality (laughs) that was not my reality at all so any case we get to like this quickie mart the kids end up going on a quickie mart like from the simpsons whatever mini mart and james ehaw's the clerk there and then they start like throwing shit around the girls are in the car as they flip the store the girl they're like running out like hey hey like we just flipped the store over and then the, the girls just like drive away down the street and that's when you see like at the end that they've left them and they're just like running after the car at the end and that's just kind of that's just what you get at the end of that one so that's really cool. I mean, I really love that video. <clears throat> There's so many Smashing Pumpkins one I could have chosen, but alas, I only had 10 and this had to be a really good representation of the 10. There are a few honorable mentions, but that'll have to be included in the next version. I'll probably do a volume two of this because, and maybe I'll keep it themed. Maybe I'll do nineties or maybe I'll do like an emo section, or maybe I'll just do a playlist. You know, it depends. Depends on how we're how we're feeling how we're rocking and rolling i guess too um yeah all right so number six on our list is madonna i do listen to pop music as uh hard as it is to believe i do like pop music i picked the justify my love video from november this song came out november 6 1990 this is a video off of the immaculate collection which is her greatest hits that came out around that time. Insane that Madonna could have a greatest hits in 1990 because she has so many iconic songs that came out after 1990, but here we are. This is a 7.7 out of 10, according to IMDb, which I think is also insane, but I don't know. IMDb, they have a weird... I don't really take their ratings that personally because it's an old website. It's all we had for a while. It's still the greatest website on the internet, I think, but... I 
I think the voting used to be more open. Like you didn't have to have an account. I think now you have to like sign up and like do the whole thing. So I don't think people vote like Rotten Tomatoes anymore. Like Rotten Tomatoes, I think is like kind of taken over in the voting category. So I'm assuming these are old because this is nuts. So this was famously banned from MTV for being like way too sexual and way too like provocative. Now it's insane when you think about it, how far we've come, but also not how far we've come because you see a video like this and then you see like the Megan the Stallion and Cardi B WAP video, which I do happen to like, but just 30 years apart, what's considered, I mean, granted, I think, I guess people find the WAP video like a uh, scandalous too, but it's so much more overt. And I feel like this one, this video is directed by Jean-Baptiste Mondino, famous fashion, iconic photographer. Cinematography is done by Pascal Le, Le Begue, I think you would say. This song, another one I had no idea, so shocked, partly written by Lenny motherfucking Kravitz. So good on you. I did not know this. If other people out there who are Madonna fans knew this, then hooray, <clears throat> because I did not know this at all. So this was famously banned from MTV, as I said. Patrick Demarchier was the still photographer and the single cover photographer for this. The art direction was by Jerry McManus. This was filmed in the Royal Monceau or Monceau Hotel in Paris, November 1990, for three days. And the most like the principal male model in this video that she kind of interacts with is her then boyfriend model Tony Ward. Okay, so this actually is not even like banned on youtube which is nuts because youtube would ban it if it was that crazy another video that i was going to put on this list because i love the video but i will have to do it i might do like a band or like a too hot for tv like section or something because i have to put on prodigy smack my bitch up because that's like one of the best videos ever that was also banned uh from mtv too but um so this one i my first note was that it's black and white it's all sultry it's like this like voyeur kind of story of like the Madonna's wandering through this hotel hallway and the doors are open. It's very like shining too. Like the doors are open and you kind of like peering and looking and seeing what everyone's doing as she's like making out with her hot boyfriend in the hallway. I mean, this is, this is the life, honestly, like what, what else could you want? Right. Um, nowadays, this is like a fashion editorial. I feel like I've shot like not an editorial like this it, with no budget like this. And I'm not Jean-Baptiste Mondino by any means, but I, but this feels like a Calvin Klein, like what Calvin Klein was doing and like a little bit racier than what Calvin Klein was doing in the nineties. But you know, like that vibe, you know, just like sultry and you really like see her, you really see the clothes in this too. Like her laundry is amazing. She has this like black, uh, like bra garter set that's lace which is really cool she also has these dancers in the back that some of them were featured in the vogue uh video and they're like silhouetted dancers she has kind of like religious iconography they have on crucifixes and then some of the guys are like dressed like women like some people look androgynous and you see her like kind of making out with a girl and then you thought it was the guy and then he's like at the next to them like looking you get this kind of like her boyfriend watching her with other people. And then you have this, like, it's not even, wouldn't even say it's like BDSM, but I guess that's, I guess what they thought, like you see people with like whips and like leather and just like different outfits and all this. It The song is incredible. You have this song that's like, 
that just like rises and falls like with the album or like with the visuals and you have madonna's amazing like just her everyone's makeup looks incredible too the hair and makeup all the different just everyone i feel like this video is just it's what madonna does best and i feel like she does it in such a classy and artistic way and it's in no way it's like what gaga thinks she is like i'm sorry i'm sorry for all the people who are like massive gaga fans but like she's madonna did it you know like madonna did it continues to do it and will always do it and we i I love her for it i just do so we see all these different moments we see like different kind of like bondage materials like leather hats with the chains like stuff like that and then you also at the end she's walking down the hallway but she has this black trench coat on and she's like as she's grabbing her coat and running down the hallway but she's like smirking and laughing like she just had like a really good time so that's kind of how we end this that's how you end the video and it's it's just perfect it's just a perfect this also i think was around the time that she had that sex book that was really um explicit that she was kind of like villainized for god only knows but they love to do it with madonna so i just i love madonna i think she just She's just, yeah, she just, she's that girl. She just is that girl. So um, number seven on the list is by a band that most people know from one song. And you are going to get that song discussed in this video. But I have to take this minute to tell you about this band called New Radicals. When you know about You Get What You Give. That's the song, you know, Wake Up Kids, You Got the Dreamer's Disease. We, we got it. That's, that's the video we're talking about, which uh, the song came out November 3rd, 1998. The album is called Maybe You've Been Brainwashed Too. IMDb gives it a 7.5 out of 10, which is, uh, I guess that's to be expected. With We did mention before, we're, we're gauging it on a, a late 90s or 90s curve and like early internet rating curve, I guess. So that's what it was thought of at the time. All these videos are like in the sevens. There's none that are like crazy high, but anyway, this album, Maybe You've Been Brainwashed Too, is so epic and incredible and so much more than the single i can't even pin down a genre for you i mean yeah i guess it's alternative rock but it's got jazz influence it's got like a bossa nova influence it's got a classical influence it's got it all and greg alexander who is the lead singer and also like just a prolific songwriter he's co-written a lot of songs from people that you probably know he is just like he's the lead singer but he's got so much charisma i just i love this i love this album the lyrics are incredible in this album like um there's just one line from one of the songs it's like i did a porno film for coke i hear i'm big in japan like it's just like really i don't know just he's crazy there's this other song it's like crying i'm crying like in a church on monday there's a song called technicolor lover like they just Please, for the love of God, go listen to this album on Spotify and listen to it from beginning to end. Don't shuffle it. Don't skip. Just listen to it. They did have another song called Someday We'll Know, and they had a video for that, but that one's a bit more boring. That was their second single. Uh, They only made one album, so they are kind of like a one album wonder, but Greg Alexander, as I said, look him up. He's gone on to like write, co-write for a lot of really big people. I think even like Oscar, he might even have an Oscar, like... I'm actually going to do this right now and look him up because I feel like I I probably should have. But he just is like, yeah, he's that guy. He like, it's just that guy as far as songwriting goes. I just, um, he 
wrote a song. Oh, okay. He won a Grammy for the song Game of Love. Like that, uh, I think it's that Santana song, right? And like Michelle Branch or something. Um, but also he co-wrote songs for the film Begin Again, which has Mark Ruffalo and Keira Knightley. And there's a song there that was like nominated for an Oscar. So he's done a ton of stuff. He's like written stuff for like Enrique Iglesias and Jerry Hallowell and Melanie C and Rod Stewart. Um, Sophie Ellis Baxter. Oh, you know what? I actually think that he co-wrote. Ooh, I think he actually co-wrote Murder on the Dance Floor. I feel like that's where I saw his name recently. I'm going to look this up. If I am right, this is incredible. Because I believe that he is. He wrote Murder on the Dance Floor. That song that everyone loves right now, that's in the end of Saltburn. Um, Yeah, Sophie Ellis-Baxter and Greg Alexander. Hot damn. So that's why I just saw him recently. So don't tell me this guy is not relevant. He is in your headphones right fucking now. So that's great. Um, I'm a huge New Radicals apologist. Like, will not take any slander about them for any reason. So this song, You Get What You Give, uh, was directed, the video was directed by Evan Bernard and Dale Peterson. It was filmed in the Staten Island Mall. Um, They actually, the band reunited for Biden's, like, victory speech or whatever or victory party or something after he won in 2020 and they played this song either it was the victory or it was the campaign but he said that was the only time he would reunite was to do this so i thought that was pretty cool um okay so now the actual video is just this really fun kind of like it's just infectious it's like what you want also the fashion and this is very like regular and normal for 1998 if you want to see real fashion what we were actually wearing but it just, it's infectious. Like, it's like going into a mall. I was like 15 when this came out. Going into a mall and just like taking over. Like, you just want like a place to run wild. And the mall was like, when you're a kid, at least in the 90s anyway, the mall was like your own little country. Like, your parents would drop you off and you were there with your friends and you could just like hang out all day and do nothing but everything at the same time. And you feel like, watch the movie Mall Rats. You feel like the sense of ownership in like your mall, like the mall that you hang out with, you go all the time, you know where the stores are, you know where you like to sit, you know you like to go to the movies there and then go get ice cream, go get pizza, like whatever. It's just kind of like your own little place because you don't really have an area to go to. I, this used to be similar to me in like Georgetown, like there were areas like on the street more because I grew up in a city, but I did also go to the mall in the suburbs too. Like that's where some of the kids in my grade would go and like we would go a little further out of the city, but basically just like a territory right it's like a closed building it's a territory this sounds nuts so we see all these kids running around in the mall and you see these adults like kind of square like boomers essentially wearing these like suits and they're just kind of like oh my god like this is so shocking you see these all these dogs and these crates because they're at the dog like the pet store whatever the kids open all of the the dog crates all the dogs are running everywhere and they're so adorable they're so cute and then they they shove the adults like the lame adults in these cages and they're just like trying to get out and then the band is playing and he's on like the escalator he's down in the food court and they just have like a popcorn fight they're having a food fight they're at this cookie counter like at the bridge he's also in this really cool uh clear elevator like this the glass elevators that you would see where you could see the different floors and that's when he has his famous kind of like uh the interlude where he calls out marilyn manson and courtney love where he's like courtney love and marilyn manson you're all fakes run to your mansions come around we'll kick your ass in uh, I remember that being like a big thing people would sing when this song was on the radio and everything. So it's just, it's a feel good song. 
I love this song. I love this video. Go listen to the album. Go fucking listen to the album because it's so good. Um, number eight on our list is none other than one of my my queens, my inspirations. This is interesting too. The last three videos are probably like three of my favorites. I mean, these are all my favorites. It's actually impossible. Scratch that. I didn't say that. These are all my favorites. It's actually really. I said I wasn't gonna rank. I'm not ranking. This one is number eight, and this one is by Bjork, our Icelandic queen. Uh, Big Time Sensuality is the video. This song came out November 22nd, 1993. IMDb gives it a 7.6. Again, low, I think. Directed by Stefan Sidnawi, who, as you may have remembered earlier, I mentioned, has a a CD or DVD on the director's label box set. If anyone out there is going to buy that shit, it's like two or three hundred dollars. I I was going to buy it if it was like under fifty bucks, but I saw that it was like for four of them, it was like two or three hundred dollars. I was like, I don't need to unopen. Just make sure it works. I'm pissed. I sold that. I'm pissed. I sold a lot of things. I sold like Rainbow Bright season one. I think I also sold like my Tintin box set, which I don't really like want to watch Tintin, like the cartoon about the the journalist uh kind of like detective who had that dog snowy uh that was a book i had the dvds that i bought like i don't know probably when dvds first came out because it was like a childhood thing and i'm kind of bummed that i got rid of it same with my rainbow bright but whatever we digress um so this was so i told you stefan said now he has a cd in that i don't remember if this was on there but he did directed a ton of videos though he's he's really fucking cool and tons of he's a photographer as well like tons of cool photography I should look up and see if he has a book because this shit's really cool. So this was shot in New York City, October 26, 1993 in black and white. There is a remix version, which I included on the list. It's the Fluke Minimix, which is like another mix of Big Time Sensuality. So this is a five minute video. The other one, uh, the original one, I believe, the, the radio edit or whatever is like four minutes or something. It's like a little bit shorter. So I was like, let me put this longer one and it's in 4k resolution on youtube so it's easier for you to watch it there's a remix version there's an uncut alternative day version which i think this might be the uncut alternative day version and then there's a night version which is on youtube but it's very grainy that was included on the director's label dvd collection like i was saying so this video where she's on a flatbed truck in manhattan going on the camera stationary and she's going like backwards and forwards as the truck is like going down Let's say it's going down like 8th Avenue or something like that. Um, as she's like going down uh, the street. She goes in different places, going down different avenues and stuff. But this really helped Bjork's notoriety in North America. Like this apparently was on heavy rotation. And when they were filming this video, they had song- they had like big speakers out. And people were like clapping and dancing along as they heard it when they were taping this uh, as on the street. So I have a quote from, from Bjork where she talks about shooting this video. She says, I'd seen the Red Hot Chili Peppers video that he did. This is Stefan. Give it away. Which is that give it away, give it away now. Where it's all black and white and they're painted. And it's like really cool and contrasty. She said... I saw the sort of black and white and silver and I wanted to do a video to a song called Big Time Sensuality. And I was very aware that I wanted it to be quite different from human behavior, which is more of a sort of epic storytelling thing. Big Big Time Sensuality was more like a personal statement. It has to be very in your face. 
Then he called up a little later with something that he thought was even better, basically to get a truck and drive up and down Manhattan as long as the light would last. I guess the idea to put someone on a truck and drive that kind of truck, you have to dance really intensely. And just the elements of danger at the top of that, do it in a city like New York. I think the policemen, very aggressive, asking us to try to stop doing it. And we were kind a bit, but we were like anarchists, not stopping. The police were after us. Then you get all those people who actually want to jump on the truck and take part. Like, are you doing a movie? Can I take part of it? We had very big speakers and we were blasting the song. Everybody was listening. You know how kind of the New York people are. They're very sort of open anyway. They were clapping and dancing along. It was a bit of a performance statement. It was a great day and we had great laughs. So this video, again, is just so cool. Like the way that it starts, we just get her on this flatbed truck, but we get this like close up angle on her as she's dancing around back and forth and kind of like waving her arms around. She has this really cool fuzzy knit sweater over a dress, like a silk kind of dress with these Doc Martin looking boots. And then she has the knots in her hair. And she just, I just, my quote for how I could describe this video was just that she has this energy of freedom as she's dancing and it, it's like this fantasy performance art piece. It's just, and this, she still does this. This is what I love about her is that she still has not, not that you could lose this. This is another huge myth about age that I feel like is now kind of proven in society. As I get older and I start to think about it, I'm like, you don't really change. Like, that's who you are. You don't really change who you are in that you lose those parts of yourself. Like you shouldn't lose those parts of yourself just because you're older and you think that you have to be quote unquote serious because you're older. No, you can be like free at any age. It doesn't really matter. I mean, you could be, you know, 90 and doing that. And I fully hope that Bjork will be because we all love her for it. And I, I love all of her videos. Look up her most recent video. Like who's doing it like her? Who? No one. No one. So, all right. Now we have the last two. The last two here this is cool so number nine is temple of the dog hunger strike if you know me you know this is my karaoke song this is this is it this is if you want to pick what me is you want to say like who is lauren what is she really like i love this video i love this video i love this song i love everything about it and this is it this is it uh this i could not really find the exact date that this came out, but there's an interesting story with Temple of the Dog. Like, oh God, Chris Cornell rests in peace forever and ever. It's just incredibly tragic. I can't believe that out of the grunge scene, we out of the main, the top four, meaning Nirvana, Soundgarden, uh, Alice in Chains, and Pearl Jam. Like these are the top like mainstream bands, I guess for lack of a better word, that we only have Eddie left. Like, isn't that, it just, it like breaks my heart that we only have Eddie left. And we're just like, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. So I couldn't find an exact date, but 1991 was when this came out or the song came out, Temple of the Dog, uh, directed by Paul Rackman. This also has a second version that premiered in 2016 for the 25th anniversary of the band that was shot March 7th, 1991 in an abandoned school with just Eddie Vedder and Chris Cornell in it. So it's different than the the kind of main one that we know of that I've included. I included the main one. You can actually look up the other one, which I just, it was okay, but that didn't really mean as much to me because this one is the one that I know and that I'm super comfortable with. So 
Um, this is also the first vocal performance of Eddie Vedder that we have. So I have a quote here about the kind of like the putting together of this band and of this, of this song. Cause it's really interesting. So this is from Wikipedia. It says Eddie Vedder who'd flown up to Seattle from San Diego to audition to be the singer of Ament, Gossard and McCready's new band, Mookie Blaycock named for a basketball player later this was going to be called pearl jam he was at one of the temple of the dog rehearsals and ended up providing backing vocals on a few songs with hunger strike becoming a duet between cornell and vetter cornell was still figuring out the vocals at practice and vetter just stepped in and filled filled in the blanks, singing the low parts because he saw it was hard for cornell as cornell later described it he sang half of that song not even knowing that i'd wanted the part to be there and he sang it exactly the way i was thinking about doing it just instinctively hunger strike became temple of the dog's breakout single it was also vetter's first featured vocal on a record in the 2011 documentary Pearl Jam 20, Vetter states, that was the first time I heard myself on a real record. It could be one of my favorite songs I've ever been on or the most meaningful. So not only is Temple of the Dog an incredible, incredible band that was formed out of the death of Andrew Wood, lead singer of Mother Love Bone, who basically half of Pearl Jam was in when I think it was like the month before their national tour. Mother Love Bone... Um, is like a really interesting story. They're, oh, they're such a great band. They were kind of posed to be like a band that was going to go mainstream. Like they were on the verge. They were just about to go to tour and the lead singer dies of an overdose in 1990, I believe. I think it was, I think it was 1990. So with your lead singer gone and you've just kind of like, you've just recorded this album. It just, it, what, it, what can you do? Right. You know, like you, you're still in this, way of processing so they come up with this band that ends up being temple of the dog and ends up being this album like a tribute album to andrew wood so not only does it is it such a great kind of album of music but it has a a really cool history and kind of backstory too so in the actual video we get just like close-ups of like chris cornell these location shots in the pacific northwest and we get him like kind of Chris singing in the beginning and kind of bring it. It's like a very like maudlin, maudlin record and also a maudlin video, like the visuals of, of Chris just sitting in a dark room and you can see this kind of natural light pouring in, but you see his like curly hair and you see him singing through it. And then as the song kind of builds, he does like the first building of it. And then as the song kind of builds, you see Eddie Vedder like standing in this tall grass with this like other side, like almost like a call and answer, like those kind of lyrics, those kind of songs. You see him standing in the tall grass and he like kind of brings the other version of the song in. And then you also see the rest of the musicians playing around, which it's, it like kind of brings me chills that like this is what would become Pearl Jam. You know, one of the most successful like grunge grunge era bands i don't think they're a grunge band now but like the era of that time so you see them all like kind of playing guitar and singing and then you see chris cornell on the shore and he's playing guitar and singing and then i know this is not a fashion video but side note this has some of the best fashion i've ever seen this is the early 90s i'm not trying trying like first of all i'm jealous of all this men's hair this curly hair this the hats, the jackets, the layering that Eddie Vedder's doing without even knowing because he's just trying to stay warm on this probably 35 degree weather shoot. He has on this motorcycle jacket vest and then he has a plaid shirt underneath it. 
and then he has these jean like jorts basically like and then he has long johns underneath it that look like they're like tie-dyed and then boots like i can't like it's what just justin bobby is justin bobby is eddie vetter like he his whole inspiration is eddie vetter in this video like this video is what justin bobby was trying to do and yes i know he's problematic but i did love justin bobby on the hills uh maybe i'll do a a hills video because i fucking love the hills none of my friends really really watch it like that but but i i'm a hills i'm a hills like day oneer like day one number one so we have a shot where they're on the shore and you see the whole band performing and it's just you it's just so great i just this this video and this song I, my last note was just it's so beautiful and the music is just so outstanding and like uplifting and you can just kind of feel this energy as they're all playing on the shore together and i just get lost in this every time i watch it I just really get lost in this video. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird, but I I just get lost in this video. It's just it's incredible. It's it's one of the best. It's one one of the best. The last one I have is the video. The video to close them all, the video to like compare everything to. It just it is. It's the video. So I'm sure you can guess that's Nirvana smells like teen spirit. This is like how they used to do it. back on like the mtv countdowns like you'd watch it to find out what was top five and then once you saw three and then two was like thriller and you're like okay number one smells like teen spirit like it it was always number one no matter where you went or on any like countdown show because why wouldn't it be this is september 10th 1991 let's set the stage imdb gives it an 8.0 out of 10 this is probably the highest of any of the ones that we've seen today uh, directed by Samuel Bayer. The budget was 50K. It was filmed on a soundstage in Culver City. Kurt Cobain famously was really responsible for a lot of the visuals of Nirvana. Like he, I mean, Nirvana was like in his blood. It was in his veins, you know. He came up with this concept and it was a nod to his high school career. And also inspired by the film from 1979, Over the Edge, where these kids like take over the school. It's like this kind of mutiny. He also had the janitor in there because in one of the documentaries that we covered on Patreon, it was talking about how he dropped out of high school, but then he became a janitor at his high school and saw some of his classmates go on to graduate when he didn't. And when he has the janitor like head moshing and banging and stuff in the video, it's a real nod to like who he was in the past. Like that's who he was in the past. So we start out this video. I remember there's also like a, you can also see the immediate, uh, what do you call it? Like casting notice. Like there's a video floating or, or not video, a picture floating around on the internet of the actual casting notice where they're like, we need kids to be in a, in a music video, you know, on Tuesday, blah, 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 this time in this place. So it's, it's kind of cool. So this one, we start in a gym and a basketball court and it's like this amber kind of yellowy light and we see the band playing like full force playing we have these cheerleaders on the side in black dresses with the red pom-poms and they have the anarchy a on it and they're doing like their cheers and stuff and then you see nirvana playing there on the court and it's like this smoky atmosphere like it's all like there's a smoke machine in it too which i think is interesting and as they're playing in the verse the kids are just like standing there and they stand there and they're kind of nodding. And then as the core, as you get to the chorus, the kids on the side, like get more into it and then they jump and then they just kind of like 
go in with the band and you get this whole energy of like surfing and diving and everything during the crowd. Like everyone is like jamming. You see just everyone, everyone's like headbanging and jamming and moshing. And then once you get that quiet, loud dynamic that Nirvana is known for that some people say was inspired by the Pixies, but that's another video or another episode for another time. We get to the chorus and then we get to the end of the chorus and then once we get back to that second verse where it gets quiet again then everyone's sitting which i didn't notice until i was watching this to dissect it i never really noticed that it was filmed in that way i always thought it was like a different i don't know just like a different way of, i thought it was they were always moshing but then i noticed i was like wait they're moshing and going all crazy but then once we get to once we get to the chorus again they're all back sitting like chilling again which i thought was interesting um so then we get like Kurt's like I love that he like starts chasing the camera um in about like I don't know like 3 minutes in or like 3 minutes in like t- in 10 he starts kind of like chasing the camera and I love how he always interacts with the camera like you would think that he would just be like playing and they're just playing to all these kids but he looks at the camera and is like talking to you and he's that's when he's telling you like you know well I forget just why I take and then you know he just keeps and going towards the camera and then as soon as it like starts to ramp up he has this like weird stance where he like hunches his shoulders and starts jumping 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 and then that's when you get like this his solo part is really cool um i I mean there's just so many elements of it too i also love the that we have a solo part in a kind of punk song because you know punks this is like a punkish song and usually this is four minute song too it's a like four and a half minute song it's long but i do love that we even have a solo even though some of their early songs are like two minutes two and a half minutes three but we do get this really really cool solo part in there so i love that and then at the end you just get all the kids interacting with the band they're like throwing them around you see chris in the back with his basses with a bass and then kurt is like diving at one point he's on top of all the kids and like whipping his shirt around he's smashing the guitar and then we get that interchange of him and his face right up in the camera right into that last note as it like hangs on that last note and then at that last note he like changes his smile to like a like just a a small like a small face like just like just a straight face so i love I love that energy that it just kind of like is so, so loud, really, really bright. And then just stops, which is unfortunately symbolic of their, their band as well. But it, it really, I don't know. This, this is why this movie or this video really changed it. There was someone at MTV. I think a woman who was like, you guys got to play this. Like, this is crazy. You have to play this video. That is essentially the reason why this video really made Nirvana pop because there was one woman who said, look, you guys don't know. I know the scene. I know kids fucking love this and you need to play it immediately because this is going to change culture. And it did. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, one song and one video and one band like ushered in a new movement and it just hasn't been the same just since for a lot of different reasons. No, I don't think it's a talent. I think it's just the way that we consume music. It's just really different now. And now we're able to queue up YouTube and I'm able to watch videos over and over again and not have it be on tape and be able to zoom in and take pictures and share it with more people and talk to more people about it. Cause I love a music video. I mean, who doesn't love a music video? It was so hard to pick. I don't know if this is like asking me to talk about 10 different movies at once. It's, it's so hard to pick. Cause what am I going to pick? What's going to be good? 
what am I going to really show the range of what I like in videos? I think this is a real big range of what I like. I like stories, but I also like just straightforward performances. And then I also like nostalgia and like feeling like that energy and that prospect of being young and, you know, being crazy. And that's what I was when I watched all these. So I don't know. That's kind of the end of my little episode here. I mean, it's not that small. I guess I could talk longer than I thought. I thought I was going to be like 20 minutes and be like, I'm done. So yeah, I mean, as always, like and subscribe and do give us a five-star rating. Do tell me what you like. If you don't like it, then just email me. Don't leave me a one-star review, but just send me five stars on Apple and Spotify. Let us know what else you want us to cover. If you want more solo episodes, if this was silly and you say no, uh, stick with what you're good at. But until then, I will see you on the next one. Bye.